Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Praxis Pedagogy Podcast. Episode 28. It's amazing. Almost made it to 30. It's uh, It's been a good run so far. And this one, you're going to love this one because on this episode, we have Brenna Clark Gray. She's an educational technologist from Thompson Rivers University here in lovely Kamloops, British Columbia. She got her PhD in Canadian literature at the University of New Brunswick. She was awesome to sit down and chat with. This hour went by way too quick. We're going to have her back, guaranteed. So sit back, buckle up, listen up. We'll see you on the other side. Oh, and by the way, although you're probably listening to us on your favorite podcast platform, we are listed on other platforms as well. iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. Tune in to uh, praxispedagogy.com for show notes, other listings of other shows. Check in with us there. Let us know how you're doing. Let us know what you're thinking about the podcast. Give us some feedback. Tell us what we're doing right. Tell us what you like more of. Tell us who you would like to hear on the podcast. That would be awesome. Anyway, thanks again so much for tuning in and uh, hope you enjoy this show. Anyway, take care. We'll see you on the other side. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Praxis Pedagogy Podcast. I don't know if I can say that fast enough because I've already had like five cups of coffee today and uh, it is only four o'clock in the uh, PDT zone, as they say. We have got a very special guest with us today. It is my honor and pleasure to introduce to you Brenna Clark Gray from Thompson Rivers University. Brenna, thanks for being on the show. How are you doing? Oh, thanks for having me. This is great. I, uh, I'm good. I'm good. Everything is strange forever. But I'm good. <laughs> That's yeah. I, I love how you do that, and I, and I love that giggle that you do afterwards because I've heard you do this so many times, right? And it's like I've listened to you on other podcasts, and it's like, yeah, I'm doing fine. <laughs> it's kind of like that. Um, should we be concerned with that little thing at the end? I'm I'm not sure. Yeah, I, probably. There was just a lengthy discussion on our department matter most today about whether or not I should take a vacation. Survey says oh. yes, but we'll see. Survey says yes. <laughs> yeah. How long has it been since you've seen the light of day outside of your uh, your house? Ah, uh, like I literally try to get outside every day, but yeah. how long it's been since I did anything? Like three months, I would say, probably of yeah. sort of pretty steady head down. Try to get some time each weekend, but it is hard, you know. There's um just a lot going on in ed tech right now. I don't know if you've heard about this um this pandemic that's going around, but it's you know, actually kind of big news. Yeah. I, you know, I, I don't watch the news that much. So <laughs> I, I catch little bits here and there. I'm, I'm, I'm amazed at how much uh, I can get around so easily without the traffic. Right. Yeah. This, <laughs> wow. Especially in the lower mainland, you go downtown over the last couple of months. It's like, where'd everybody go? Oh, nice. Yeah. My personal best for the trip from new West to downtown was 25 minutes once when my husband was late for a bike race and I was trying to get him to the starting line. It was like set. It was like five in the morning on a Sunday. I was just going to say it had to yeah. be like seven o'clock in the morning on a Sunday. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 It was early. <laughs> yeah. Cause even at three in the morning on a Friday or a Saturday, like there's still like, there's people walking everywhere. Like oh yeah. Yeah. So you, you spent some time in the lower mainland. Yeah, nine years I worked at a community college in the lower mainland, uh, Douglas College in New Westminster. Oh. Lived there. 
My yeah. son alum, he just graduated this year. Oh, yay. Congratulations yeah. to him. That's yeah. awesome. What yeah, program was he doing? He was in the, um, oh, I'm going to mess it up if I don't do it. Uh, <laughs> it's, not, it's not a traditional program. It was a Bachelor of, oh, Bachelor of Education, Bachelor of Arts in Physical Education and Coaching. I, I don't know why I can't remember that. Cause it's not like it's, you know, it's not like it's common. It's like, you know, you remember yeah. the unique stuff all the time, but anyway, he wanted to go into coaching cause he's, he spent his whole life in soccer. Right. Yeah. And he's a goalkeeper. So he's a little weird. And, uh, <laughs> he actually wanted to go to university of Winnipeg cause they actually have a bachelor's degree of coaching. Oh, really? Yeah. And I'm like, dude, Winnipeg, <laughs> right? Like, you know where that is. Right. And of course he's like 17. Right. And he's like, Oh yeah, whatever. And I'm like, no dude, like minus 40. That's normal. Yeah. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, sorry to interrupt you. You were, you were working at Douglas. That's good. Yeah. No, it's funny. You mentioned BPEC. That's a great program. And I used to share an office with um, uh, one of the instructors who also, he doubled as a baseball coach for a celebrated award-winning baseball coach and uh because we were pals and he knew my courses i i just had i had a lot of sports science students in my classes always which is super fun yeah (laughs) good group of students (laughs) yeah i mean of course they didn't have their grad this year right so he's 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 a very social person he's extroverted well that's a pretty tight-knit program too hey that must be hard on them all yeah yeah so and he's he's kind of well i don't know bummed out i guess is the right way to put it um yeah so he, I mean, he, they, they got to say goodbye to everybody on Zoom, but you know, that's not good enough, right? No, it's not. You spend four years with, you know, a small cohort like that. It's uh, you develop some good relationships. Yeah, of course you do. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah. Congratulations to him though. That's a good program. Yeah. He's, he's really excited. He's, um, he's not sure what he's going to do now. He's talked about coaching. He's talked about teaching. He's talked about going into a, get a master's degree, uh, but you know, he's 21. <laughs> so let's see. he's 21. What are you going to yeah. do? Right. Yeah. It's the time when you get to be like, oh, I I often poke him though, because I, I, when I talked to him when he was just a mid teenager, I said, so what do you want to do with your life? Right. You're 15. You should know what you want to do with the rest of your life by now. (laughs) And he's like, well, I don't know. And, but I'm okay. So what do you, what do you know that you don't want to be? He goes, well, I, I know what I don't want to be. He was really, he's really adamant. I know I don't want to be this. I'm like, well, what is this? He goes, I don't want to be a tradesperson. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm going to leave the room now. I was going to say dagger uh, through the heart, man. What, scream what into my that? pillow for a, about yeah. an hour. But, because, uh, you know, it only clothed and fed you for the, anyway. Um, <laughs> anyway, it, I find laugh now because he's doing landscaping, which is yeah, a trade, is. right? Yeah. And paid, paid for school. Like he worked all summers and the whole deal and he's working full-time landscaping now. And I'm like, dude, you know, all that time could have went to an apprenticeship and you'd have a, you'd have a degree and a red seal. You'd be a unicorn right now. He just kind of looks at me like I'm a unicorn. So anyway, definitely my family will move on. You don't know anything. You're just a dad. Like, yeah, what well, yeah know? exactly. Yeah. I, know, I know. I just a bank <laughs> machine, bank machine and a, and a car rental company. That's all I am. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's awesome. So you worked at uh, Douglas College uh, yeah. for nine years. You were, you were down here in Lower yeah. Mainland. Uh, yeah. Then what? Uh, then... I got this idea to apply for this job as an educational technologist at TRU, which uh, <laughs> I started in August. Yeah. Oh, good timing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, it's good. It's yeah. good. Well, seven months Probably. is enough time to get your feet wet, right? Yeah. I mean, 
it's kind of shocking how I went from feeling like I didn't know anybody at the institution to, um, well, I do two hours of open office hours every day of the week and have since March 17th. And so now I feel like I know every single person who's ever rolled through the institution. (laughs) That's awesome. You show up on campus and you're like, okay, this is a big place. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to get to know a lot of people. (laughs) And uh, six months later, you got to line up down the hallway, right? Just a little pandemic to really feel essential. It's good though. I think I'm I'm thinking about getting like a cardboard cutout to just go around my head uh-huh. for when i'm out and about in kamloops uh-huh. so like people can you know because they're not going to recognize me unless i've got like, a box people can know that, yeah it's right it's yeah. right with the, the zoom background right yeah. it's just like yeah hey you're <laughs> yeah. you're brenna yeah i get it yeah hey thanks yeah. <laughs> oh man you'd be like a, a faculty member we're walking down the street and some kid will yell at us hey <laughs> you're like i don't know who are you well don't you remember i was in your class like six years ago um yeah oh. how you doing Anyway. It's always a super fun conversation. I used to uh-huh. even get that when I taught fully online and like they, they would see me in video blogs every week and then they'd, okay. I'd bump into them like downtown Vancouver. Hey, I'm going, never seen your, like, I'm happy to meet you, but some context, my friend. Yeah. That's right. Before I pepper spray you, tell me who you are. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. Awesome. So you moved, yeah. so you moved to, to Kamloops, um, yeah. been at TRU since last year. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, getting it, on for a year now. It's been a calendar year, probably felt like a dog year, right? It's amazing how it's, it's weird. It's actually a lot like being on maternity leave because the (laughs) days themselves feel very short. Like you can't possibly get done everything that needs to get done in a day. Mm -hmm. And yet the weeks, man, the weeks are so long. It's like, I'm not sure how that works, but yeah, it feels very similar to me. Oh yeah. The Tuesdays feel like Thursdays all the time. Oh, I do that regularly. I never know what day of the week it is. It's fine. I never know what day of the week it is. <laughs> so just uh, go where Outlook tells me to go. Click do, yeah. into whatever, <laughs> whatever video conference I'm supposed to be in. <laughs> oh, mercy. Yeah. That's good. Well, at least you, uh, you got a good family to help you ground out, right? Yeah. Yeah. I have a three-year-old, so it's super fun. He's, he, um, although the things he says now, like the other day, I said, okay, buddy, I got to run upstairs. I got to finish something. And he goes, oh, do you have a webinar? <laughs> He's is that another three. asynchronous session, mom? <laughs> yeah. No, dear. That's synchronous sessions. We've talked about this, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mama, what assessment practices should I use? Yeah. No, That's it's, right. it's, That's right. it's a strange time for them. We just had our first um, venture out of the house with him wearing a mask. Okay. He's basically not gone further than about 500 meters from the house. So we went yeah. and I had to bribe him because he's afraid of the mask. Like wouldn't put it on. And I was okay. like, if you wear the mask, you can go to Toys R Us. And he's like, nice. all right. Yeah, I'll put on the mask. Yeah. <laughs> let's roll Locked in. Yeah. Locked in. Let's go. I got the thing. mask on. I can be there for four hours. <laughs> exactly. so, that's awesome. I know. Yeah. I always lo- I always appreciate your tweets about uh, Groot. Yes, and, uh, Groot. Yeah. It uh, <laughs> makes me laugh. I got four kids. They're all, at, they're all adults, like 21, oh, wow. 19, 17, 15. And uh, yeah, so two graduated. One's graduating this year. Her last oh, day is awesome. the 15th. So yeah, it's fun. It's been fun. 24 years married. So nice. Yeah, it's good. That's awesome. So your, your tweets bring me back to the day. Yeah. (laughs) So I I can just imagine conversations in your house going, so why'd you do that? Well, the learning outcome was this, (laughs) (laughs) right? Oh yeah. Yeah. He's picking up all the lingo and it's so funny. Oh yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so, 
uh, <laughs> we're entering the third month. Yeah. And uh, you're, are you still screaming? <laughs> yeah. Is it, a, is it a silent scream now or is it an, uh, an audible scream still? You know, it depends on the day. I really like to mix it up. You know, I wouldn't want to get you know, stuck in a rut. <laughs> that's, right. that's right. Don't want the neighbors to think you're asleep or anything. No, no. I don't know. It's weird. I've settled into something of a routine, I guess. I tend to work late into the evenings because I've got a little guy. So things that require a lot of brain power don't happen until he goes to bed. Um, so I've been taking a couple mornings off a week to spend time with him when I'm not just, I mean, either that or I'm going to have to give custody to the iPad. Um, and uh, and so, you know, I, I, we're settling into a bit of a family routine around that stuff and he's dropped his nap. So my husband is taking him a little bit more during the day and we're sort of, but it doesn't ever feel normal. You know, it's just always feels, it might be the same day to day, but it doesn't ever feel like, I don't know, sustainable, normal. I don't know what the word is, but yeah. Yeah. It's a weird feeling, isn't it? I mean, I'm, I'm not sure what it's going to be like on the other side. Right. Cause I, now we're in this, obviously we're in this, this position of, okay, we're, we're past the first wave. We're, we're anticipating a second wave and it's like that calm before the storm hits again. Right. It's like, and I'm not yeah. sure too many people are breathing yet, but yeah. Um, yeah. It's so hard to know. My little guy's daycare opens again in July and even just feeling comfortable sending him back when I can't go back to work because our open con concept office is not going to be open for some time. Um, and so it's like, I don't know. It's, it just always feels like, how do you even know what the right decision to make is? I just had a conversation with my parents. I normally go back to Ontario where they are for a fair amount of the summer and that's not going to happen this year. And that's hard. You know, it's just, uh, I don't know. Day-to-day -day life hasn't changed that much and yet everything is different. That's my big profound thought. Hey, everybody, pandemics make things different. Let's be the tagline for the show. Wait a minute, I'm going to write Crazy. that down. Yeah, no, it's, I'm, nobody's ever thought that before. It's mm. good. It's yeah. good. <laughs> wow. So, I, and I imagine that this, like pre-COVID, this, this would be a slowdown for you in regards to workload and interaction with faculty, right? Yeah. I mean, we have summer semesters, obviously, but they're lighter. Um, and I think traditionally have been quite light. Uh, and, you know, fair amount of PD, flurry of sort of PD activity in May was my understanding. I mean, what's normal? I don't know. I just got here really. Um, but it's been fantastic to see um, how committed folks are to getting through summer semester in a in a good way and also gearing up for the fall, you know, like um, we sort of hustled some programming together um, around mid May. We realized like people really need some sessions on stuff, like want some sessions on stuff. So we threw together some programming um, on the fly and have been building it as we go. And we're doing three webinars a week, um, not just me, my team and I are doing three webinars a week. And, uh, you know, we're getting 100 people out average to each session, which, I mean, stunning. Our winter term workshops, like we had a really great rock and roll workshop on podcasting and we felt super good because there were like 10 people there. We were like, <laughs> yeah, we nailed it. <laughs> Boy, we sure got that out there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, 10 whole people. That's right. One of them might try it. It's so exciting. So the fact that now we're drawing such huge numbers um, and, and people are into it, right? Like there, we, we developed 
this really goofy badging. So we're calling it summer camp. It's digital teaching summer camp. And we develop these goofy badges and uh, they're really bad because I make them on some like <laughs> website that I found that makes nice. badges yeah. that you could download. Um, so they are not good. Um, but people are so into it. Like if you get eight badges, you get a little certificate and people are like, I didn't get credit for my last badge. Can you manually add the badge so that I can get my, my oh, certificate? Oh, like, wow. Amazing. Okay. Yeah. That's, yeah. We so totally the competitive nature of academic is coming out. Oh right? yeah. yeah. That's all, we're over <laughs> these little badges that you're making on a free website somewhere. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I could just, I could just see the gloating over virtual beers, right? <laughs> yeah, it's like, right? Hey, hey, I got my eighth badge now. Right. Yeah. Look at me. Yeah. And like, uh, tomorrow's session is session number 14 that we've done so far. And when I tallied things up late last week, um, we had 92 faculty or staff, or there are a few like graduate students and stuff taking these sessions as they prep for the fall. Um, 92 people have earned our little credential, our little certificate of digital competency. So wow, that's it's, awesome. It's cool. It's cool to see. Um, it's cool to see people finding some fun in it too. Like I was really big on everything is on fire. So let's not take this too seriously, everybody. Like, let's try to have some fun. Um, and I think we've managed to strike the right note between uh, a little bit of levity, but also some like content folks really need to feel like they can roll into fall and support students and, and, and do their jobs. Yeah. Well, what was, what, what do you think was the tipping point for people to start feeling I don't know if more comfortable is the right term, but, mm. you know, kind of get over a bit of that first hump of, okay, yeah. we're in this, what am I going to do? Deer in the headlights look. What do you think was the tipping point? Well, I think winter term universally sucked, right? And then it was over. <laughs> and I think it was like being hit with a tsunami in a lot of ways for everybody, even folks who are fairly familiar with teaching, you know, who, who use online tools or who blend a little bit of their learning, even for those folks, this was a lot all at once in a time of great emotional upheaval. Um, and I think the tone that I got from our faculty was really like, okay, we survived that and we don't want fall to look like that. So what do I have to do now to make sure that my fall term feels more like teaching and less like panicking? Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that that that's a good turn because uh, yeah, I'm wondering if more fa if more faculty or more institutions are at that point now too because uh, that's an important turn in the in the road, right? To get away yeah. from the the fear based building into a more um, strength based building, right? Yeah, and I think it helps. I mean, I don't know what motivated people to sign into the sessions originally, but we work really hard to have a very friendly, accessible um tone like i mean obviously i'm super intimidating as a person uh, not not at all um but to really give people the sense of like you can come here and you can ask questions and we will answer the same question a thousand times if that's what it takes to make you feel comfortable and um i think we do a good job i think that that probably of all the all the work we have to do as a, as a unit, we do a really good job of making people feel comfortable trying. Yeah. Um, and you know, with all of these tools, that's the number one thing, right? You got to get in and play. You got to feel safe to mess around. 
you've got to not feel like you're going to light the house on fire if you, if you muck around with stuff. Right. And, um, and that's often missing when people don't have a supported introduction into the, into the tool, you know? Yeah. It makes sense because they're afraid to fail. Right. Cause they, yeah. they, they, they feel like they have to have it all together. And, yeah. if, they, and if they fail somehow, that's a, that's a negative reflection on them as a professional in education. Right. Yeah. Which sucks. I mean, that sucks to feel that way. Right. Mm-hmm. And well, we talk a big game about lifelong learning and, uh, but I think a lot of us, and I include myself in this, have a lot invested in being the expert in the room. Um, mm-hmm. And so trying to let go of that a little bit, uh, I think is helpful. You know, we did a survey of the student experience, student and faculty experience. And wildly divergent experiences of the winter term, you know, in terms of what they thought was working and what wasn't. And, you know, students are like panicking about all sorts of things and big number of faculty who are just like academic integrity and students are just like, that's so not anywhere near my radar of things I can care about right now, you know? So like all this divergence. And then I think 74% of our faculty and 72% of our students, something like that said, I really prefer face-to-face learning. And I was like, isn't that cool? Like, this is a place where we can start, right? Like we have this common anxiety and from it, perhaps we can build a common community of inquiry and in that we're all learning together. And I always say that to faculty, like take off the table that you have to be an expert at online learning because your students know that this has been thrust upon you. It's not a surprise. So let's embrace that um, and, and be a little kinder to ourselves. Yeah, those are good points. And I often find the, the, the um, quite frankly, the academic integrity conversation almost makes me want to vomit. Right. Because it's like, okay, I mean, I've been teaching for 11 years um, in the trades and in the school of business for a couple of years now. And, you know, my students are going to cheat. I know they do. Mm -hmm. Right. And uh yeah, anyway, I don't want to get on my soapbox because it's all about you today. (laughs) (laughs) Not about me. I suspect we have similar soapboxes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a bunch of us that have the same soapbox, probably just a long soapbox. (laughs) Yeah. 4,500 of us are standing. On this, you know? but, um, and yet no one listens to us. <laughs> exactly. Well, except now, right? Everything goes to crap. And then, oh, oh, we've, we've got a learning and teaching center. Okay. Yeah. This is awesome. Right. They'll have all the answers for us. They're, they're like the utopia in this dystopian meltdown that we're going in. Right. Yeah. You, you guys are the green box on the map that everyone's looking at going, okay, everything's dead. We got zombies around us. We need to get to this green box. They're there. They'll have all the answers. We just, need to say, are we just a box of shotguns? In that <laughs> <analogy>? <laughs> right. Well, that's how quickly this stuff gets off the rails sometimes. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. Um, so uh, tell me on, tell me about some stuff that you that you wish you had time for. I mean, I'm amongst all this stuff that's going on. Yeah. You're super busy. You're slamming it. And, yeah. and yeah. I know you're doing good work, but what, if, if, if you could just freeze this moment and step out and do something that you really wanted yeah. to do, what would you want to do? Oh, wow. Like if it was like a normal summer where I had like some time to write and some time to think. Sunny, we're on a, we're on a, we're on a video call and you can see behind me, my post-its, those are all the like various and sundry deadlines that are 
soon to whistle past me. Um, <laughs> I have, uh, I've committed to write some things this summer, so I have to figure out some time, but I'm really interested in, well, to connect to what we were just talking about, this link between academic integrity and particularly the issue of data privacy and data security. Like I'm really interested in how our practices as institutions really opened the door for the kind of contract cheating that we see now um, and the ways in which our students are really preyed upon by these companies. Um, I'm much less interested in the conversation about like catching students. I'm far more interested in the conversation about hmm, how did this contract cheating company get all these students' email addresses? Like what was the leak here? Like that's the thing I think we don't talk about enough and how the casualization of the labor force created all of these bad assessments that are so easy to cheat on, you know, like I'm a Google this publisher's textbook question bank. And like, obviously I'm going to use that information. Right? Like I may have been very innocently just Googling it to try to find more context for the question. And now here I have the whole bank in front of me. Um, so I'm interested in that and I'm, I'm supposed to be writing a piece for a forthcoming collection on that. And um, my personal kind of passion project at TRU is I'm really interested in fixing tenure. I'm just going to just me, I'm going to just <laughs> fix just the concept of tenure. I figure okay. six months ish and I should <laughs> fit set up. Got it all figured out. Yeah. I'm just, I'm almost there. Um, <laughs> so you'll show up at the Senate meeting and go, okay, got it. Yeah. Everyone. I don't even just mean here. I mean, everywhere there's tenure. Oh, I'm going to oh. just fix it. Awesome. Six months -ish. Yeah. No, but I'm very interested in the ways in which tenure processes are kept quote unquote confidential. Um, but I'm very interested in investigating who's protected by that confidentiality. I'm, the more I read stories about, you know, the more I read research about how anxious pre-tenure faculty are and um, how shrouded in mystery the whole process seems to be and how complex and difficult it is for Black and Indigenous and scholars of color, I wonder if confidentiality is really more about the protection of the institution than about fairness in process. and so. What I'm really interested in is thinking about how we can apply the ethos of open that we apply to our teaching and our scholarship to this particular process. Um, so that's like my really, that's sort of, if I had to identify essential research interest, like I used to have to do when I was a literature scholar, that would be probably my essential research interest right now. Um, and then I've got this project that is going to happen. Like I have to actually do it because uh, I was a co-applicant on a, a Shirk uh, partnership development grant with a few other institutions and Shirk gave us money, which means you actually have to do the thing, which I don't think I realized when I signed on for it. It's, it's not just an idea anymore. Um, but to develop a, uh, so the, the project lead is Hannah McGregor at Simon Fraser University's publishing program in partnership with Wilfrid Laurier University Press. And it's this project to try to establish a, um, peer-reviewed scholarly network in Canada that really takes podcasting seriously as a mode of dissemination of research without asking podcasting to change what it is in order to fit what 
scholarly research thinks it is. So Hannah's got this amazing podcast called Secret Feminist Agenda that goes through an open peer review process through Wilfrid Laurier. And so it's the idea of expanding that, but also building the underneath bits, which is like the technical term for... (laughs) For metadata and like hosting and transcripts and all of that stuff, the underneath bits. Um, So it's a pretty massive project. I'm really excited to be part of it. And I have had exactly zero minutes to think about it since all of this launched. (laughs) Well, you know, what'll happen is there'll be a nice natural break and boom, then you'll be in the project and, you know, nothing quite unsimilar to what you're going through now. Yeah, it's true. Just get out of one car into another. That's all. When it's moving at a hundred miles an hour, it's not a big deal. No, it's fine. It's fine. But that's always, that's sort of how, I don't know. I've been, um, academic my whole, like I've never had a real job. This is what I've always done. And so this sort of just flailing from massive project to massive project sort of, I don't know. I must like it. 37 years old and I haven't figured out anything else to do with my time. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mercy. Well, that, that project sounds awesome. I'm, I'm, uh, I, I will definitely be interested in the, the product when you're, when you're done because yeah, I, obviously we're on a podcast now and podcasts are great and so intimate and such an interesting way to think about sharing research and how much better is it to hear someone talk about this thing that they love mm-hmm than to read it in a article that has been shaped rhetorically to fit conventions that don't really speak to how actual people make use of actual information, you know? Oh, for sure. Yeah. And it yeah. fits into what you were saying before about the gatekeepers and the, the, oh, yeah. the mysticism around yeah. some parts of academia, right? Like I have a friend at TRU who's going through promotion and tenure process right now. Yeah. And, uh, he was talking to me a little bit about it and he's like, he doesn't even understand the process and, and he's been given all this paperwork and all this responsibility to hunt people down that he doesn't know and yeah. never met before. And somehow they got to make a comment on his scholarship. And he's like, dude, like, how does this even work? Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. It's not like I've been through it before, <laughs> but uh, anyway, so I, I give him a, I give him some heads up, I guess, but yeah. yeah. But the whole mysticism piece to academia to me, just maybe that's just the trades person to me. It's a little bit skeptical of like, okay, really? Like you build an ivory tower. Okay. I'm going to plummet. So it falls down. And Hell yeah. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, I, um, I don't like things that are opaque. Um, hmm. and I, I don't like, I don't like any process that makes people feel like they don't belong. And, um, whether it's scholarly publishing or tenure processes or I mean, any number of the ways teaching evaluations as they exist right now, get weaponized against faculty of color and women. Like there's a million ways in which our institutions exist to tell people of any kind of, you know, I thought like, it's not even difference, right? It's, it's just, real life, but you know, whether it's telling working class students, they don't belong first generation students, they don't belong or black students or indigenous students. Like we have all of these mechanisms in place and it doesn't get any better at the staff and faculty levels. Um, and I'm really, yeah, it gets worse. And I'm really interested, particularly from my subject position as a white woman who has had access to a lot of, um, support. I really want 
to just just rip all this opacity and mysticism away and and just figure out like i i don't believe i don't believe that shrouding these things in mystery ensures that the best people make it through like i just don't yeah yeah no i don't i agree i agree it's kind of interesting all the stuff that's happening in the states too that's uh, that kind of aligns with your philosophy huh yeah yeah it's been a hard couple of weeks in the news hey i ah uh, my heart just breaks and i feel so powerless um you know we uh support faculty with anti-racist teaching resources and 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 tools to help them feel like they can attend to these important questions but if we're not working on structures and the processes themselves and figuring out how we enforce equity in those spaces then the change isn't going to be lasting you know and I mean, it's daunting. It's daunting for me from my subject position. I can't really fathom, you know? Yeah. I, I don't, it's one reason why I don't pay a lot of attention to the news. Not because I want to be ignorant of what's going on in the world. I just, I, I swing too much from one emotion to the other, right? And mm -hmm. and I did happen to come across a, a, a news thread uh, about Clemson. I don't know if you've seen this thing about Clemson where they, they mm -hmm. actually have an honors degree named after... Um, one of their founders, I believe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Who happened to be like this massive slave trader. Yeah, sure. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, like, really? <laughs> like, and, 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 and the only reason, uh, here, here, here's the connection. Ding. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I follow the NFL, right? And so yeah. there's two pro NFL players who are both from Clemson. They weren't there at the same time, um, but, and, and they're both uh, African-American. And they're like, hey, like when all this is going on, why are we not visiting this other stuff? Yeah. And so that they have this big petition going and, and, they're, and all they're asking the school to do is just to rename the honors program, right? And you, just the pushback that they're getting. And I'm just like, oh. The pushback makes no sense to me. None yeah, of this makes make any, any sense, sense to me. To me. It's, like, it's like, you're objectively on the wrong side of history. Like, uh, objectively and by any metric. And I just don't get it. Like, or it's like when people get mad about statues being torn down. Like, when's the last time you learned something meaningful from a statue? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Other than to say, hey, you don't belong here because this is what we're honoring in this space. Yeah. Beyond that, what are you learning from statues day to day? You know, I just, mm -hmm. yeah, I don't well, I wonder what kind of bummer. impact it'll have in our, in our future, like in, in regards to monuments and how we yeah. build them. And, yeah. And, and why do we have them? And, um, you know, cause we can talk about the backstories forever, but it just makes me think, so what, what's the purpose of having a monument and, and yeah. why are, why are we erecting this so that it's going to be here for two, 300 years? Right. Yeah. yeah it's, um, yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff to feed upon right now. Right. And yeah. um, it's, um, it can get a little depressing, but on a, on a, on a personal level for you, mm. what do you think we can learn from all of this hyperbolic change that we're going mm. through? Yeah. I'm, I talk to faculty all the time about finding grace and generosity for themselves so that they will have the capacity to extend it to their students. I think that's really huge right now. And I think that, um, you can hear my, my toddler running by the door. Um, 
I think that all of a sudden we know that like actually 90% of the university can do their job from home. So, you know, the way we've treated disabled staff members and scholars and students for so long, there's no excuse for that anymore. Like explicitly no excuse for it. Right. We know we can all do this work remotely. Um, I'm thinking about the kinds of ways in which we were so able to like drop sick notes in a pandemic, right? Completely yep. inappropriate to go and use up a medical professional's time for a sick note in the middle yeah. of a pandemic, right? Yeah. So like, let's not bring those back. Um, I'm hoping that we can just kind of by brute force <laughs> achieve a level of equity within the institution that we weren't capable of moving the needle on before. Um, and I think that faculty members in particular are suddenly in a position to, you know, you're trying to put together that multiple choice exam and uh, your kid's hanging off your leg and your dog needs to go for a walk. And you're thinking about your mom who has kind of a worrying cough, right? Our students have those struggles all the time. Not that we don't have those struggles all the time too, but I just, I, I hope that we're in a moment that we can hold on to that this ability to, to this sudden discovery that we have of grace and generosity um, will last past the pandemic because our students always deserved it. Uh, we always deserved it of ourselves, right? Like I, I read so many things on Twitter and it's so clear to me that so many academics have train themselves to be these brains in jars for so long because that is what is expected of us that like have they thought that they might be the ones who get sick right like that we are we are you know there's this phrase embodied scholarship right well all scholarship is embodied and all teaching is embodied because we have bodies um <laughs> and they let us down right and i'm just hoping that we're having to plan for that now in a way that we can maybe keep planning for into the future. Um, it doesn't feel naive to think that right now, which is kind of nice. Yeah, I would agree. I think I'm, I'm, I'm a visionary person myself and I'm, I've been thinking about the, just the whole opportunity that this thing has, is providing for us outside of trauma and the danger and just the, I, I think some people are going to have some, some sort of PSTD after all of this. Oh right? yeah. And, I, like even after three or four weeks into it, I was already asking the question of a few people going, I wonder what the psychological fallout of this is going to be yeah. after the second wave and, and we, we've got a vaccine and things are calming down because it, it just seems to me to be very traumatic for a lot of different people yeah. and almost for the same reasons, right? Like you were just saying, like our, our students, I've got students there, they're sharing a house with five other people um, and they're worried about their mom or their sister they're, they're taking four classes, they're working part-time, you know, the, the buses have stopped running, <laughs> they don't have Wi-Fi. Yep. Uh, yeah. And, and I look at that and I go that that's for them, that's just as significant as me being at home. All my kids are around, my dog's barking in the backyard, you know, and yep. all that other stuff. Right. But um, I wonder, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was thinking about, you know, what you read here, but uh, sorry about what you wrote here. And I couldn't stop thinking about pedagogy of care. Mm. 
I think it's the only pedagogy that matters. <laughs> Increasingly, the older I get, and particularly in this particular moment, you know, yeah, I um, nobody is going to remember what they were supposed to learn in the last two weeks of history 1100 in winter of 2020, right? They're going to remember the instructors who made their lives easier and the instructors who made their lives harder. That's what they're going to remember. And I think a lot about how we should. Let me rewind that. I think taking an ethical approach to educational technology is easier to do if you approach it from a, a position that this is care work. And it's something that we very easily extended to faculty support generally, but we see it less in ed tech. And I've often wondered if there's a gendered component to that. And ed tech is the component of faculty support that has traditionally not been um, female dominated where the rest of faculty support has tended to be. But the reason why I think care is so important to ed tech, and that's not to erase all the brilliant women who have done amazing things in ed tech. Um, but I think if we think from a position of care, then that extends to care for student data. That extends to a student's right to disappear. That extends to whether or not we allow surveillance tech in their bedrooms when they're writing their exams at home, right? Like, if we start at the level of care, we don't make those bad choices. When we start at rigor or integrity, there are all kinds of things we allied. So we start from a position of rigor or integrity. It's really easy to allied all kinds of issues of privacy and security. But if we start at care, you can't because that's what matters. And we have a fiduciary responsibility over student data. Like I say that to, I say that to my faculty all the time. We can't ask them to do things that we don't know the outcomes of, and we do it all the time. Yeah. In the name of protecting some kind of pseudo veneer that we would call professionalism. Yeah. And uh, it, go, it goes back to what I was saying before in the sense that, you know, I, I, my, my students are cheating already. I know that they are. And I learned a couple of years ago that, you know, 90% of my trade, you can, you can read online. Mm -hmm. there's, there's this funny thing called YouTube. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen it, but. Um, <laughs> I got to tell you, my husband exclusively is not a handy person. And this is our first home. And uh, he, I shouldn't say he's not a handy person because he is, he can turn his hands to things, but he doesn't have the experience or the knowledge. He, all he does is watch home renovation, YouTube videos. He'll watch like, if he wants to like change a fan in a bathroom, he'll watch like 12 different people do it on YouTube. He'll get all of their experience and perspective and then he'll try it himself. It's an amazing resource. Um, and now, and now it's that to a history class. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. You've Where got, our your students can go and watch 12 different perspectives on a piece yeah. of history spanning race Two of them made by Nazis because uh, it's YouTube. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, but no, totally. It's all out there. This is what yeah. I say to faculty all the time. Like yeah. one of the core tenets to me of digital pedagogy is that it's networked. Um, and we spend all our time being like, Oh, well they can just Google that instead of being like, huh? I could just Google that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, yeah. so how does the assignment change if they can just Google that? Like, why don't we ask them to do something with that information instead yeah. of just knowing it? 
instead of just regurgitating it, puking it out into a multiple choice exam that they're not going to care about four hours after it's done, other than had, it's done. <laughs> I had this great moment in one of our sessions last week. We were talking about academic integrity in remote contexts, and it was basically like, I'm not going to talk to you about surveillance technology, so let's talk about assessment design. And I had an instructor say, you know, I'm hearing this and I'm really thinking that multiple choice exams don't really do what we hope they do. So, oh, <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Tell him what he's won, Johnny. Favorite. Yeah. You're my new favorite. Two extra badges for you. Yes, right. <laughs> Love you, Mina. You get the rest of the day off. <laughs> yeah. But it's so good to see those connections coming together because I think for so long faculty have been sold the message that academic integrity is the only thing that matters. And there is some tech solution out there that will fix the problem. Right. And, and because there's some tech solution that'll fix the problem, we're going to give you too many courses with too many students and not pay you enough and not give you any job security so that you don't have the time to do the assessment design that would be necessary to make those tools obsolete. No, exactly. Exactly. And then the sharks are swimming in the water because they smell the blood and, you know, use any metaphor you want. I was at, I was at a, I won't tell you the, the name of the vendor, but I was at a webinar yesterday and uh, I came in late actually because I saw a bunch of people commenting on it on some streams and I'm like, what? No, really? And I get in there and I'm like, oh, really? Like it was like, we're, we're all the chickens. We've opened the doors to the, to the roost and the fox is coming in and we're like, yeah, there's the couch. Would you like some cookies? I, I, got, I just baked some cookies and I'll get you some milk or some, you want some tea? And it's like people are, and oh yeah, don't worry. We've got FIPA extended till uh, December now. So that's really good. And uh, I'm so like, long to find an angry enough gift to really represent oh, my feelings about that last night. Yeah. And then, God. and then the educators in the room are asking all the wrong questions. Right. And, and this person that's doing the demo is like, oh yeah, and you can do this and you can do this and you can do this and you, this, this will do that. And, and I'm like, and then there's a bunch of questions being answered or asked in the chat and they're being skipped over like all the important ones, mm -hmm. the fluffy softballs. They're being logged like crazy. Anyway, mm. I'm ranting again. No, uh, but it's frustrating. And, and uh, I have, I've got some, uh, some, some allies on the inside now, some teaching faculty who send me the emails that they get, like from oh. uh, those, those software companies that shall not be named. Yeah. Um, and they're really predatory. They're phrased as though it's already an approved technology at the institution. Right. Oh yeah. They're phrased as though this is a person who has an ongoing relationship with the institution and hi, I'm just introducing myself to you. Um, and they're targeted at early career. Mm -hmm. um, and sessional instructors, like they're targeted at the instructors who are the most vulnerable when it comes to time. Yep. And I just, I don't, I don't know. I, I I've been just shocked by this, yep. these emails. Like I'm so naive. I, every time I get another one, I'm like, Oh, this one like all but says like, I'm already partnered with your, you know, teaching and learning center. And it's like, no, yep. no, they're not. Yeah, I, I've seen those. Where it's like, hey, uh, I've just got off the phone with your associate dean and they were bringing me up to speed on your course that's coming up in a couple of weeks. I just wanted to know if you knew everything that we have to offer for you in this course that you're doing. I'm like, what? Like, what? I don't know. No, yeah. no. Right. It's like, yeah. Uh, yeah. And and the other thing that just, oh, one more thing and I'll get off my soapbox. It just no, turns like me when, when they when they say, oh, but you know, this is so good for this student. <gasps> right. The student, the student is really going to be okay with this. Like they're, they're just, 
it's going to, we're, we're doing this for them. Yeah. And I'm like, no, you're not. Yeah. No, you're not. no, you're not. You're doing it for faculty. That's who you're doing it for. Like, you're don't, don't give me this garbage that you're doing it for the students. Anyway, and you're doing it to serve. <laughs> now here's my soapbox. You're, no. you're doing it for the faculty, but you're doing it to serve this neoliberal agenda yep. that these faculty have to take on more students and more classes and more, uh, more load all the time and yep. fewer supports, fewer yep. in less investment in teaching and learning centers. Like I came from an institution that had scrapped theirs to save money. Yep. Um, and then, you know, so you're, you're, you're serving the worst part of education. Like I was pretty radical when I started this job, but nine, <laughs> really? 10 months in. Mm. <laughs> Come on. I think you're I, being too hard on I, yourself. Radical. I think I I think I may have ranted about the patriarchy in my job letter. Um, but like I'm coming to work for Brian Lamb. Well, it's you know, really I, cool it didn't it. come through in all that digital detox you did. Not at all. <laughs> nope. Nope. I had to pick myself up on the floor a couple times after reading your stuff. It was awesome. It's, like what? Cool she said small. that out loud on paper. <laughs> she said, who's this girl? I need to get in touch with her because she's awesome. Hmm? Anyway, sorry. Too much, see what happens when I have too much coffee? I just get woo, fired up. I like that. I like that. Um, yeah, the digital detox was fun. It's like, oh, I've worked in this industry for four months. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I love it that Brian Lamb's like, go girl, go, just go, <laughs> totally go. Because I'm yeah. sure like, I'm sure like Mr. Lamb, because I, I just refer to him as that. He doesn't know me from a hole in the wall. But, <laughs> you know, guys like him and Alan Levine who've been around forever and have seen yeah. everything and I wonder if they just go, oh, really? We got to go through this again. And then when they see fresh faces and people who are invigorated, they're just like, yeah, go, go. We're behind you. Go. <laughs> Brian always says his job is to get out of the way, uh, which I yeah. really appreciate. He has thus far not yet said no to me. And I've come up with some wacky things since I arrived. That's awesome. Um, he's great. He's a great mentor and he, he cares so much about the ethics. Yeah. And I think all the time about like, I love this. I love working in ed tech. I think the questions are so big and so important and we can see right now only getting more important, but I could see this job being a complete nightmare. If you washed up at an institution that already had a ton of vendor contracts and you just kind of oh. had to toe the line, like I would yeah. struggle. I mean, the delight of working at TRU is this overarching commitment to openness that drives so much of the decision-making, um, which doesn't mean we get it right hundred percent of the time. And I'm very capable critical about my own institution. <laughs> Don't worry. Um, but I think everybody's heart is in the right place and everybody wants to do the right thing. And mm -hmm. what I love is seeing faculty learn more about, you know, why we've chosen, chosen the technologies that we have, um, mm -hmm. And, and, and getting it right. Like I, I think too many of these decisions are made without any faculty input at so many institutions um, and not enough conversation about why, like, I don't know. I, I've just, there's so many bad technologies out there. They're bad because yeah. they're hard to use. They're bad because they're predatory. Yeah. Um, and our institutions are spending public money to sell our data to students, like, to, to, sorry, to sell student data to venture capitalists. And it's just kind of like, I don't know, it's really cool to work at a place where, like, I don't think I could say anything 
too radical for Brian. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I couldn't. Um, and that is really freeing when it comes to the kinds of projects I want to explore in this role. Sure, it does. Yeah. It does. Yeah. So along that line, um, yeah. what, what, what kind of impact do you want to have in the system? Well, I want to fix it, uh, all of it <clears throat> at once. Okay. <laughs> so you're I young. Like a, really like a small manageable goal. <laughs> That's right. You know. we'll just chunk that down into, you know, one month increments. You should have that done in six, eight months. Yeah. It's, it's going to go in my performance review next year, I think. Um, <laughs> uh, and what change do I want to have? I, I really, I feel like this open tenure project that I'm pursuing has the potential to have the largest impact because if people feel supported and have the tools to do it, I think it's something that can be um, pushed from the ground up. Like uh, the more I read tenure and promotion policy, the more I think that I don't actually need anybody's permission to do this the way I want to do it. And I think that that's true a lot of places. And it's funny because I had a conversation with Brian about this in the early stages of thinking about the project. I was putting together a proposal for, I don't know, an article or something. <laughs> and, and he said, well, if you can't do it at TRU, you can't do it anywhere because we're an open institution. We have all of this language around openness. So if you can't change the process here, you can't change it anywhere. And, and we both kind of took a beat and we're like, well, it is possible you can't do it anywhere, right? Like yeah. <laughs> the institution right. will protect itself from any, any threat, any institution will. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I do feel like it's a place where I have the, I have potential to, like what I'm trying to do right now is collect up stories of people who have done parts of their tenure process in the open, there's no, there's like nothing documented on this, but I know folks who have done, who have blogged the process, right? I know folks Mm -hmm. who have, you know, put their portfolios up on WordPress after the fact. I want to kind of collate all that and see what kind of body of experience there is out there and then start to really think about how the process looks if it's open by default, if it starts from a position of of openness. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the other piece that I hope I can make lasting change with, and I see it, I see, I see how much people want to talk about it right now is this, this issue of care. And I'm not the only person talking about it right now. And I think this pandemic moment, if nothing else, is maybe restoring some humanity to our institutions. Not all of them, you know, when somebody referred to, um, Purdue as plexiglass university because they're planning <laughs> to go to that system of professors behind plexiglass yeah. uh, lecterns. That's, <laughs> I just can't. I mean, of all the mental contortions to not have to teach on the internet, I can't yeah. quite figure out how you get to the point of plexiglass being the Well, I'm sure an institution option. like that still has the, uh, the gas masks from 1945 in the basement. Oh, they can bring those out, right? Apparently what? you can talk in those. Oh my gosh. I can't imagine what those viral photos are going to look like the first day of classes. I, I want to see the professors that forget that they're there and walk into them like eight <laughs> times during a class, right? Like pity the poor fool that had, that's a walker when he lectures, right? Oh gosh. If, if you're one of those people that nail themselves to the lectern when you're in the class, you're going to be good. But if you're a walker, oh, you're, you're toast. It's funny because I fancy myself a fairly engaging speaker. And even I would have these moments where I'd look out into the room and be like, there'd be a solid quarter of the class who were 
acting like they were watching me on TV, you know, like exactly. that I couldn't see them. It's like, right. I can only imagine what that's like when you put a big old sheet of plexiglass right. between you and this student. That's right. That's right. I'd be tempted to do we, some comedy sketch on her. Like I'm going to knock on a good bits, wipe it off, you know, a little bit of miming action. Exactly. Mimic yeah. people what they do in the mirror in the morning. It's kind of, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm sorry. I digress. This is supposed to be a serious part of the podcast. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, you know, but this is the thing, right? Like I've, I'm totally going to rewind, but it, are we going to yeah. pretend that that's not a mediated experience, right? Like sure. so much of the anxiety around online learning is this mediation that's happening between teacher and learner. Mm-hmm. And like, if you throw a piece of plexiglass between me and my class, you've actually mediated the spaces. Well, I mean, yeah. all spaces mediated, yeah. but like, I just, I don't know. I, I'm, like we could learn how to teach online well in the next four months or as best as we can, or we can invest in plexiglass. <laughs> well, what's cheaper? <laughs> yeah, it's true. What's it is. Cheaper? If you're actually staffing. Yeah, it is. Um, so anyway, yeah, care. I think care matters a lot. And I feel like this is a moment when we can be heard to talk about these things um, and taken seriously in a way that, I know talking about care and education felt like it was a very peripheral conversation sure. even a year ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Well, it's, it, it's, I want to honor the time. It's flown by. This oh, has it been, is it time this has been good. Oh my God. All right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's a ton of stuff in here and it's, it's a, Oh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to uh, releasing this to the, to the community. <laughs> this is going to be great. Um, I hope you had fun. I think you did. did. Yeah. No, this was a great chat. I really enjoyed it. I really good. enjoyed it. Good. Good. Yeah. So if, uh, if I asked you to come back, you'd say yes. Obviously. Okay. This is great. Yeah. Yeah, well, you're recorded. So, you know, no, no, no pressure there. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, let me, Unless let me get back to you on that. Stuff into it or like right. you go like, go with like some zoo crew, uh, sound effects later on That's, or something. Well, wait till I go to post. That's uh, <laughs> That's where all the fun stuff happens. But uh, anyway, thanks so much for taking the time, uh, especially away from your family and, uh, and, and your work. We really appreciate it. And uh, you're doing great work. Oh, keep it, so keep much, it moving. Tim. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's really encouraging to know that uh, there are disruptors out there like yourself and, and Mr. Lamb. And um, <laughs> it's, uh, like I said, keep up the good work. And uh, we'll be in touch. And uh, we'll do this again. And uh, thanks. Really appreciate it. This is it. a real delight. Thank you so much. Yeah.